0: In the early service, I usually preach on, in the early service, so the 8 o'clock service. And in that service, we've been going through the book of Philippians. We started in verse 1. We've gone all the way up until chapter 3 now. Um, this morning, we took a side step and went to uh, went to Second Peter. Um, but we're going to be, I'm going to continue that study that we're doing with, uh, with uh, Philippians uh, chapter... Uh, chapter 3 and we're going to start in verse 17 but in order for you to understand what we're going to talk about today in order for you to understand what's going on i need to kind of go back through and tell you where we've come from because paul's laying out a context in, in philippians but before we get to all that before we start let me remind you um please keep heath in your prayer today uh could your prayers today keep uh that family in your prayers today we're going to be uh uh, hopefully he's going to be coming home, and we'll be able to uh, we'll be able to rejoice in that. But we already rejoice in knowing that everything's going to be fine. He's good, and so we're going to pray to open the service. We're going to pray that God would uh, would lead us today in His Word, and that He would be with them, be with them uh, especially. Father, we love you. We thank you today for Your Word. Thank you for Your mercies, Your grace, God. We thank you that You've given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Thank you for the Word that You uh, that You gave us this morning. Lord, we ask that you would be with us today as we read your word, as we continue to look uh, at at what you wrote through the Apostle Paul in in the book of Philippians, and God, we just pray that you would open our hearts to hear the message, to hear your word, and that you would make sure that I say exactly what you want said, and that you would give us clarity, give us understanding, God, and give us a heart to... uh, Give us a heart to understand what you'd have for us today, and we ask that you would come and change hearts uh, with the power that only you can only you can provide. Uh, it's the gospel that is the power of salvation, and we thank you for that. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, We've been going through this in the early service, so a lot of them, if, if, if you're here, you come to both services, you'll, you'll already understand a lot of this background. But uh, in this chapter, uh, Paul has been warning about uh, some people that have come into, that are coming into the church. And what he's talking about, basically, to give you just a real quick summary, is he's talking about people that add to the gospel. He's talking about people that say, you know, Jesus is a good start. Jesus is a wonderful thing that, you know, it's a great that you got Jesus and everything's good. Uh, But if you really want to uh, really want to follow God, if you really want to walk with God, if you really want to do these things, you need to add in this case, they were talking about the law of Moses. They were talking about circumcision and all those kind of things. And through these chapters, as as we've been walking through them in the early service, um, we've noticed a balance in the Christian life. And I've been talking about this over and over again. If you were here this morning in the early service and last, last week in the early service, you know that we've, we've, we've pretty much beat this to death, that there's a balance in the Christian life. There's a balance in the fact that, number one, I have been, you have been. If you've been born again by the Spirit of God, you are perfect in Jesus Christ. Which means that the Father sees you. He sees the perfection of Christ in the death, in His burial, in His resurrection. If you're visiting with us, and that sounds kind of strange, what I'm saying to you is there's a transaction that has taken place. If you've come to know Christ... All the things, if, if I had, I usually, when I deal with the youth, I usually have a couple of books. And I'll say, if this book over here represents all the things that are in my life, all the sins I've ever done, all the lies I've ever told, all the things that I have done that is against God's law, all the times that I have not loved God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, it'd be a pretty thick book if it was my book. But anyway, if I had that book in my left hand, and in this hand, in my right hand, I had the book of Jesus's life his perfection. Never did he sin. Never did he fail his father. Never did he do anything other than love the Lord your God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love his neighbor as himself. And he took all that righteousness and gave himself on a cross to pay for my sin. There's a transaction that took place at the cross. All of my book, my sins, my life, my failings, my faultings, all of that was placed upon Jesus, those crimes. And... The father rained down his wrath upon his only son in my place. And all of the righteousness that Jesus accrued in his life, all the righteousness that he was by being God and man together is placed upon my account. When I trust in Christ, and that is a transaction that goes by. So when the father looks at me, he doesn't see the sin because I've been born again. When he looks at you, if you've been born again, he doesn't see that sin. He sees the perfection of his son. And so that's worth rejoicing about for sure. But there's a balance. That's one side. The other side is that in this walk, in this life, in this world that we still live in, I'm not perfect i 'm not blameless i 'm not holy and i 'm striving to be more like christ i 'm striving to get a hold of of uh, of Christ and who He is and to be more like him in the, in the if you 'll just look at that chapter with me, chapter three, let me just go through and show you. He's warning in verse 2 and 3, he's warning, he says, beware of the dogs, beware of evil workers. He's telling them, the Philippians in this church, to beware of these folks. Beware of the concision. The word concision means mutilators. You can look it up in a dictionary when you get home. That's what it means, mutilators. He's talking about those who say you got to be circumcised. You know, you, 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 Jesus is a good start, but you got to be circumcised. When I said that, all the guys kind of moved And you see that? I, I got you. <laughs> got to be circumcised. And he says in verse 3... He says, this is why you beware of them, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the concision. This is why, for we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. He said, no, we are the ones who are right with God. We are the circumcision. So what he's doing is, and after this, you can read this whole chapter when you get home. After this, Paul goes through and he lists all of his accomplishments I was born of the stock of Israel. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was zealous for the law. I kept the law and I persecuted the church. And he's lining himself up saying, look, if there's anybody that has room to boast in your works or in how good I'm doing, it's me. I can boast in my works if I chose to do so because I'm a better guy. I'm a better uh, religious Pharisee than any of you guys. And he goes and he lists. All of his accomplishments. And they're pretty weighty in the mind of a, a Jewish Pharisee. And then he says something really strange. He says, it, you can read all this is in, cha- in the chapter. I'm just catching you all up. He says, but I take all of that, all of those works, all of those religious things, all of those things. I'm going to try to calm down. And I wrap them up in a ball and I count them as dumb. And I throw them away. He says, I throw them away so that I can be found Not having my own righteousness, but the righteousness that comes by faith in Christ Jesus. Look what he says in verse eight. He's talking about all these things that are to his credit or they think to his credit. He says, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, of knowing Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but dung. And this is why that. I may win Christ and be found in him. I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ Jesus. So Paul says, I take all of these works and I throw them away. And I say, it's all dung. The word, uh, I told him this at the first service a couple weeks ago, but that word dung is, is particularly offensive. The word that he uses. And it would be like me saying the curse word Up here, that means human excrement. If I said that, y'all would uh, y'all know y'all y'all go run tell brother Ed as soon as y'all get out of here. It would be like I can't believe he said that. That how offensive. That's the point. That's what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to shock them right here. And we've talked about that before. And so what he says after this though, he says that's one side. I have no righteousness but I'm found in Christ. And then he goes on. I'm still walking through three. I'm catching y'all up. Y'all can read it when you get home. But he said, that's one side. I'm perfect in Christ. The other side, he says, but I press on and I'm trying to apprehend the thing that's apprehended me i'm chasing this thing down i'm chasing jesus i'm chasing who christ is i'm i'm chasing to be like him to know him more so you got two sides of the same coin and if this ever gets out of balance christians if it ever gets out of balance and you stop thinking in the gospel number one i'm perfect in jesus and i need no more righteousness to stand before god than the death the burial and the resurrection of christ and number two i am Still in flesh, and I'm striving to reach the goal. If you get either one of those out of balance, everything in your life gets messed up. You start mess, You start thinking, you know, the, the, worst, the worst part of it is you start thinking, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I'm not near as bad as I used to be. And so, Jesus just didn't really have to save me from that much. And what happens then? You lose your zeal. You lose your desire to work. You lose your desire to serve. You lose your desire to be in fellowship with folks. When you start thinking, "I'm not near as bad as I used to be," practically that may be true, because the Holy Spirit works in you, and you will be continually seeking after Godliness. But when it comes to the gospel, you're just as bad without Christ as you always was. and in Christ, you're just as perfect as you'll ever be. And so when you start losing sight of this and thinking, "You know, I, I'm not near as bad as Joe down the road. There goes your zeal. there goes your desire. There goes your striving. That's what Paul says. He says, I'm trying to apprehend that. I press toward the goal of the high calling. He says, um, he says in 12, uh, not that I've already attained. I was already perfect. He said, but I follow after that. I may apprehend for that, for which I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, I count myself not to have apprehended. He said, but this one thing I do, I forget everything that's behind. I reach forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize Of the high calling. So you got two things that you have to see. Number one, you're either perfect in Christ Jesus, saved, born again, Holy Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, or you are 100% unrighteous, wicked before God. You'll stand there before God with your works that you think, you know, I'm not that bad. I'm not doing so wrong. I'm not near as bad as all these guys. And you'll show up covered in dung. Thinking that you're doing good. And of course you know what God will have to say. Because he's a just and holy God. But on the other side. You're absolutely perfect in Christ. If you have his righteousness covering your sin. But here in this life. You're not perfect. And you're going to fail. And you're going to sin. If you have not. This morning I asked them. I was preaching from Second Peter this morning, but this morning I asked him the same question. I said, "This morning, since you've got out of bed, has there been any moments of the day, just this morning, that you have failed to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Have you? Let me put it another way: Have you given God the love, adoration, and worship that He deserves as God this morning? Then you have sinned, and I have too. Are you kidding? We need a Savior." We need righteousness that's not coming from ourselves. We need someone who did in every instance, in every second, in every breath, in every heartbeat, serve and worship God and complete the law and fulfill those things. We need somebody to stand in for us. And today, even as a born-again believer, you still need somebody to stand in for you because you're not perfect and you haven't done, you haven't attained. And that's what Paul says. He says... It's not that I've already attained and I'm already perfect. He said, but I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm pressing toward the goal. So today, having all that background, now you're all caught up with us. We're going to start in verse 17. I'm going to finish the chapter. And what we're going to do is we're going to examine those who walk striving for Christ and those who walk striving for something else anything else we're going to examine and i want you to see i want you to look at it i want you to i want you to decide based on your walk in which group that you are which group you find yourself paul traded his righteousness for the righteousness of christ but all of us are chasing something all of us are pressing toward the goal some of us have different goals than others. All people are chasing something. Everybody. Everybody. I heard someone say the other day, we were talking about the Sabbath in church and the Lord's Day and that kind of thing. And he said something was kind of profound. I never thought about it before. He said, everybody has a Sabbath. You've got a day you look forward to. You've got a day that you put aside that you want to have fun, rest, do nothing. You've got a day. Some of, you, some of us may be, my day is, my Sabbath is the river. My God is my hanging out. My God, you know, we have, we have, we have something we striving for all of us. And so let's look at these two kinds of people. Paul has said all that. He said, I'm pressing toward the goal. I'm pressing and striving and straining to be like Christ, to know Christ more and to be who Christ has made me. I want in Christ has made me positionally perfect. I'm perfect before the father because I've been born again. His righteousness is my righteousness. But practically, I'm not perfect. And I'm I'm striving to be practically who he's made me to be positionally. I'm striving to be on the outside who he's made me in the eyes of the father on the inside. And he tells them this in verse 17. He says, brethren, he says, be followers, be chasers together of me. And mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. Now, he's saying he's going to demonstrate two kinds of people, two kinds of chasers, so to speak, strivers, two kinds of people that are pressing for different goals. And this first group, he introduces them. These are the, the ones who are striving after Christ. Paul says, be followers with me. Be followers, be together followers of me. Now, this isn't a prideful thing. This isn't Paul saying, hey, guys. I've got it all going on. I'm the man. You just follow me and everything will be fine. Everything will be right. This is not what Paul is saying. He's already told us in this chapter. I have not attained I'm not perfect. I'm still straining. Paul is striving to get to Christ. He's striving to be like Christ. He's striving to know Christ more. In this very chapter, he says, all I want to do is to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He's striving to know Christ. And so it's not a prideful thing where he says, hey, I got it going on. Y'all follow me? He's saying, come together with me and let's strive after Christ together. Follow me as I follow Christ, as I strive after him. And he's not saying, I am the only one that has this idea and is going on. You just all need to turn and look at me. No, he says, I'm not the only one. He says, you mark those that you see striving. You mark them which walk this way as so, so as you have us for an example. He says, I'm not the only one doing it. He says, you mark those that are striving for Christ, that are chasing after this, that are wanting to apprehend the thing that has apprehended us, the man, the the God man who has apprehended us. I wish I had time to go back and talk to you about that apprehend. We've been talking about that as well. And so he says, this is not a prideful thing. Paul has one thing on his mind. He says it in this chapter where I read it to you. He said, this one thing I do. Forgetting the things that lie behind. And that's a good thing when you're talking about sin and all the thing. You know, I I forget yesterday where I messed up. But in the context here, Paul's also talking about his goodness. He's saying, I don't have, I don't live on what I did for Christ yesterday. I forget all the things that are behind me, and I'm pressing toward the goal. I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm reaching for the goal of the high calling. I don't live on, that's what we're talking about, the resume. I don't live, I don't have anything on the resume for Christ. I woke up this morning, and I have never done anything for Jesus Christ. And that's how I start out my day. That's what Paul says. Forget what's behind And Paul was in prison when he wrote this. Can you imagine? He was in prison, had spent 25 years in ministry, building churches, starting churches, uh, discipling the brethren. And now he he wasn't sure whether he would get out of prison or, or not. He might be executed. He didn't know for sure. And the Philippians didn't know for sure. But yet still locked up, chained to a Roman. He says, look, I'm forgetting all that stuff that I've done. And here in prison, I'm striving. I'm striving to know Christ. I'm striving to be who he's made me to be. There's a balance. You're not working to be accepted before God. We've said this over and over. You're not striving to be accepted before God. That's not the gospel, you've missed the point. You're striving because you are accepted by God and you're trying to be conformed to the image. God is conforming you to the image of his son. Everybody understand, we're not striving to be accepted. When you step off into that, when your mind it happens to us all, when your mind starts thinking, I'm striving, I got to keep striving. Otherwise, God's not going to accept me. You become either a Pharisee or you become somebody who's in such despair that you just can't continue. And so he says, brethren, you, you follow with me. Now, look what he says to examine. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which do what? That walk, you mark the walk, you understand he's not talking about just the right answers. You know, if I went through here and I said, who is Jesus? Y'all could probably all give me the right answer. You could probably all tell me what he did. You could all give me the plan of salvation. You could tell me probably how many nails were in the ark and how long Samson's hair was and all that kind of stuff. You could tell me all that kind of stuff. But do you walk chasing after Christ? This walk is not perfection. Remember? Paul said, I haven't attained. I'm not yet perfect. This walk is a striving after Christ. It's a striving, a chasing after Christ. He is, Paul would say, he is my heart's desire. Not just what he can give me, but him. I want him. I don't want to use him just for his benefits. I want him and I'm striving. I'm straining. I'm reaching. It's like the runner that's reaching for the, reaching for the finish line. I'm reaching for the goal. I'm striving after him. And you see, he says, you mark those who you see walking this way. It'll always come out in your walk. I understand you can give me the right answers. To be honest, I could march Satan down here and he could give me the right answers. But it'll always, your heart, what's in your heart will always come out in your walk. Remember, not perfection. I'm not saying you'll never sin again. But what you love will always come out in your life. What you love, what you're chasing will always be evident. It'll be evident to everyone. We'll know because of what you're chasing. He says you mark those who are walking who are walking in this. He is their treasure. Now, in verse 18 and 19, he's going to change the subject and talk about the other group. And then in 20 and 21, he's going to go back. So let's look at this other group real quick as we walk through these verses. Here he says, you need to beware. Beware, there's some enemies. There's some enemies too. He says, in 17, he said, be followers together with me, mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk the walk again, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Now, who are we talking about? The context of this chapter is all about those who add works and religion to the gospel from the second and third verse all the way down through the chapter paul is warning them about there is a people group called judaizers and what they would do is they wouldn't say jesus is bad and oh you need to just stay away from jesus they would come into the philippian church to the galatian church that's what galatians is about is this same heresy they would come into the philippian church and they would say jesus is a good start You guys are doing really well. Now, if you want to be really right with God, if you want to move up the spiritual ladder, if you want to walk in lockstep with the God of heaven, then you need to start keeping these laws as well. And doing all these things, it would include feasts and festivals and circumcision and all those kind of things. I believe it's the same people here because this is the whole chapter. Beware because we are the circumcision. Then Paul lists his Jewish accomplishments. He lists all his Pharisee uh, accomplishments that he's done. He says, I count all those pharisaical accomplishments done. And he says, I want to be found in Christ, but yet I'm still striving for Christ. The whole context is about this group. And so he says, you need to beware. They're enemies of the cross now. Enemies? That's kind of strong language, isn't it? Why would he call them enemies of the cross? Because when you add any little thing to the cross, you've destroyed the cross. When you add Jesus plus my goodness... Jesus plus my law keeping, Jesus plus my circumcision, Jesus plus my whatever. God will accept me because I'm a good person, because I'm not as bad as I used to be, because I'm doing well. When you add that to the salvation that Christ has bought, you have nullified it. You cannot have both. Remember what Paul said in this chapter. He said, I count it all as dung so that I may win Christ. You can't have both. You can't say to God when you stand before him at the judgment, you can't say, you know, we always ask the question, why should I let you into heaven? You know, that kind of thing. You can't say to God, well, I'm a pretty good person and I did a lot of good things and whatever I lacked, Jesus made up the difference. That's not how it works. That's not the gospel. The gospel is trusting in Christ alone. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone and no other righteousness. And that's why, that's why Paul says, I took all of those goodness, all of that works, all of those things that I've done. And I wad it up in a ball and I throw it to the side and I count it as dung, so that I can be found in the righteousness that comes through Christ, not through the law he says you be aware of those that walk as enemies as enemies of the cro- uh, of the cross um, these are not rabid atheists when you think of enemies of the cross you're thinking about people that you know might be protesting in the, in the parking lot or you know just just hating you know the guy or the lady at work that just despises christ and is gonna just you know rail at you when you talk about jesus i mean of course those are enemies to the cross but paul is warning this church with tears and weeping because these people are trying to influence the believers they're trying to influence the church he is he's calling on them you've got to beware You've got to be aware of this. These were people that were infiltrating. They were, they were religious. They, they looked the part. They looked good. They walked in and they could say, well, you Philippians, Philippi was a Roman colony. You Philippi's are pretty good. But hey, I'm from Jerusalem and we got the real thing. We got the deal. And so the Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah. He's a good start. But if you want to really have this thing down, you need to be like me. He would say that and Paul is going, no, if you read Acts, that was a a huge deal. Acts chapter 15. They had a council in Jerusalem because there were people coming into the church at Antioch and they were saying, you have to keep the law. And Paul was going, no, that's not salvation. That's not the gospel. And he's warning them. He says, this is not something new. I've been telling you this all along. And now I'm telling you again, I'm warning you with tears. How does that apply to us? Probably no one's going to meet you at Dairy Queen today and say, Jesus is a good start, but now you got to be real good if you want to. I mean, they might do that. There are some people that do that. (laughs) But you and I, as believers, if you have been born, if you've not been born again, then you have no righteousness. You have none. Don't matter if you're better than you used to be, doesn't matter how you're fixing your life or how you're straightening things out, you have zero before the Father. And no one has any. It's not just you're a bad person. We're all bad people without Christ. But even as believers, we fall into this mindset of I'm not that bad anymore. I've fixed a lot of things. I've fixed a lot of things in my life. And to be honest, God is pretty proud of me. Probably wouldn't use those words, but it shows. Thank you. You know, you know, you say it like we let me ask you this. Has this ever come out of your mouth or into your mind? God, how could you do this to me? After all I've done <laughs> does that ever come to you? Hey, it's come to mind. Yeah. So don't think you're the lone ranger. Right. My heart's just as wicked as anybody else's. And I can fall into that. Right. After all I've done to me, you're going to let this happen. No, Pharisee, Pharisee. What about this? God, if you just do this for me, I promise. You ever, does it ever dawn on you that all the stuff we promise is stuff we're supposed to be doing anyway? God, all the promises of God are yea and amen in my works. Yeah, I'm glad some of y'all caught that. All the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ. There's no need, God, if you'll just, if you'll just love me and, and make this work for... All things work together for good for those who, are in, who love God and are called according to His purpose. Understand, when you step off of walking in the gospel... All kind of things in your life get messed up. All kind of things get messed up. You start making deals with stuff you don't have and you start thinking you're better than you are and you start thinking God owes you this or that. Everything gets messed up when we should just be walking in the gospel. Walking in who? Yes, Paul said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. Through many tribulations, you'll enter into the kingdom of of heaven. There's going to be people that persecute you. You live in a fallen world. There's going to be tragedy. If you live, I've always said this, uh, even as a hospital chaplain, I I can promise you, if you live long enough and you don't ever get sick, even if you're blessed in that regard, people that you love are going to start dying around you if you get old enough. And eventually, you're going to get sick if the Lord doesn't return first. These things are going to happen. We have to walk in the gospel. We walk in who we are in Christ. And our purpose is to strive for the goal. And so he says, you beware of those. Beware of those who are enemies to the cross. He says their end is destruction. How does he know their end is destruction? What is he looking at? He's looking at their walk. Isn't that what he said? He says back in verse 18. Flip it back for me, Sarah Beth says for many walk of whom I've told you often. now telling you you weeping. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 19, their end is destruction. He can say it because he can see it in their walk. Their end is destruction. He knows it. They understand their walk is not we're not talking about perfection. I hope I've said that enough. We're not talking about perfection. We're not talking about you don't ever sin again. And if you sin, oh, you're out, you're kicked out of the club. We're talking about a walk that chases Christ. They're not chasing Christ. They're chasing their own goodness. They're chasing to satisfy their own needs, their own things. They're chasing after something else. And when you do that, if that's your walk, your end is destruction. I don't care what prayer that you prayed. I don't care if you can answer all my theological questions correctly. The heart is demonstrated in the walk. Doesn't mean you'll be perfect. It means you'll be chasing after Christ, chasing after Christ. I often heard it said somebody said it here. I don't remember who it was, but it says you get out on the interstate and you turn So make sure I got my directions right. You turn west. What's west? yeah i got it (laughs) if you turn west on the interstate you can tell me all day long that i'm headed to nashville but you go west you're gonna end up in memphis is that right (laughs) okay thank you that's what i thought it's like don't mess up my don't mess up my analogy if you keep heading west, you know, you can tell me all day long I'm headed to see Jesus. But if you're chasing something else, you're going to end up where Jesus ain't. Right. Understand? He says their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly. How does this apply to religious folks? I mean, when you're thinking God is your belly, and it very well could. There were some Gentile libertines in this time, and Paul talks against them too. Uh, and so it might be uh, talking about them as well. But religious people are gods of their belly. Make no mistake. Why? Because you're chasing your own goodness it makes me feel good if i can get in by my own goodness it makes me feel bad if i have to submit myself and say i don't have any goodness i don't want to say that i'm a wretched sinner i don't want to say that i don't have no hand in this thing i don't want to say that i can't do good before god i don't want to say those things it makes me I, I feel like i've earned it i want what i want he says their glory is their shame. They're proud of what they should be shameful, f- shamed of. Paul said, I love this. Paul said, I count all these things, these religious works, these righteous deeds, I count them as dung. These folks are proud of theirs. Now, can you imagine, stay with me. Can you imagine showing up to church today covered in poo? I thought that was funny. <laughs> Covered in dung. I mean, really. I, I told this before in the early service, but if you've ever had, <laughs> like poo. Yeah. It's, it's a whole, I, I told a story, I had a college roommate and I had a dog that used to poo in his room on his clothes. He'd leave his clothes on the floor and he'd put, and one day he came come in with dog poo in his hand and he threw it at me and it hit me. And that's a whole different kind of gross than just being than just being dirty. You know what I mean? Like roll around in the mud. That's a whole different kind of nasty. And so, imagine showing up in covered in poop. And everybody, you know, everybody would be like, "Ah! Oh, that's disgusting. That's nasty. It's gross." I mean, nobody would want to be around you and you were just so proud that you had poop all over you. Woo! Look at the poop on me. Feel it squished between my fingers. <laughs> I did that on purpose. I want y'all to see the picture. I'm not just being nasty. It's gross. It's disgusting. That's what we do when we stand before God and we say, look at my works. Look how good I've done. I have worked for you and I have been faithful and I've gone to church and I've, I've helped people. You stand there in poo and you say look how beautiful i look their glory is in their shame they're glorying in the things that they should be ashamed of we did the unprofitable servant not too not too many weeks ago where he says even when you've done all you've been commanded to do you say i'm an unprofitable servant their glory is in their shame and they mine earthly things they're not chasing christ they're not following after Christ. They're following all the things here on earth. As long as I can get my righteousness up to a certain level where God accepts accept me, then I can back off and I can do all the other stuff. I don't have to worry about it. I, I don't want Jesus taking over my life. I just want just enough to get by. Just enough to slip off into heaven and not have to make him Lord of my life. Not to have to follow after him. Not to make him the purpose of my life. I deserve to be happy. Then he goes and describes, then we'll leave. Two more verses 20. This is those who chase Christ. He says, For our conversation is in heaven. That word conversation, I usually don't tell you the Greek words because nobody cares. Uh, but this one you'll recognize it's politoumi. It's where we get the word politics and politician and all that. It's our loyalty, our citizenship, what we, what we give ourselves to. Our conversation is in heaven. Our loyalty is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are part of heaven when we are born again. From whence also, this is what we're searching for, looking for. We're looking for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall, in verse 21, change our vile body. We're looking not to be righteous in our own works. We're looking to be righteous in Christ and we're looking for Christ to come so our vile body will be changed in practice to his perfect righteousness. It may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. The, the, one of the things, I know I'm probably going over time, but one of the things that I love to explain to people is the reality of the new heavens and the new earth what eternal life will be like i mean we don't know i don't know all the ins and outs but through the bible's teaching i can tell you that in the new heavens new earth we're going to be alive really i don't know about you but i don't want to be some spirit floating around in a cloud somewhere i definitely don't want to be some fat little angel with a diaper plugging on a harp somewhere I want to be me. I like being me. And you want to be you. I want to know all the things I know here. I want to know there. The people that I know here, I want to know there. He says, we're going to have a body like his. Remember when Jesus returned? He says to the disciples, touch touch the nail prints in my hand. Feel the spear hold in my side. He said, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone as you see that I have. It's going to be real. Just like you're alive right here sitting in these chairs and I'm up here on this platform and you're going to go get in your car and you're going to go eat and you're going to go home. You are going to eternal life is eternal. You are going to live forever. Read first Corinthians 15 when you get home. You are going to live forever. The only difference between life there and life here in the new heavens and the new earth and what we have right now is there won't be any more curse. There won't be any more death. There won't be any more sickness. There won't be any more parting. There won't be any more worries. One of my favorite sayings I tell the kids a lot is, if I want to jump on my four-wheeler and ride down to the Crystal Sea, I'll do that. Okay? I'm telling you, it'll be real. I can touch you, talk to you. You'll know the people that you know here. When Moses and Elijah appeared on the Mount Transfiguration, they had been dead hundreds of years, but they were still Moses and they were still Elijah. And in the Gospel of Luke, they talked to each other about Jesus, what they call the Exodus, talking about His crucifixion, talking about His resurrection, the Gospel of Luke. Moses and Elijah were still Moses and Elijah, but they were still recognizable as a Moses and Elijah, and they were still able to talk to each other as Moses and Elijah. He says He's going to make our body fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things. There'll be no more curse. Do you see what chasing Christ looks like? On the one hand, you're perfect in him. On the other hand, you're chasing after this thing. You're chasing after knowing him. You're chasing after being like him. Or you're chasing after... Earthly things. And by earthly things, I don't mean sex, drugs, and rock and roll, although that's probably could be. I mean things like work and family, money, possessions, fun, entertainment, free time, popularity, fame, fa- family, f- work. Uh- Those are good things. Those are blessings from God. There's nothing wrong with those things. But when that's the purpose of your life, you have elevated a God above the true God. You chasing after Christ. Now, as we end today, understand if you walk out those doors and you say, you know, Jason was right. I need to change my life. You've missed the point. You can't do better. Until you're born again by the Spirit of God, until God dwells in you, you are absolutely without righteousness. I don't care how better you make yourself. I don't care how you try to fix things up. I don't try, care how you try to get rid of all the old bad habits and get some new habits and start doing these things better and start. I don't care about any of that stuff. It's all done unless it is bought on the foundation of the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can make you righteous. And this, our, I mean, this world is so filled with do better. You can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's a lie. It's a lie. You come to know him today. You come to know him by the power of his resurrection. You come to know him. By trusting in him. Repent of your sin and trust in him. Very first thing Jesus said in the gospel of Mark. Time has come. Kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's how you come to know Him. And believer, if you're a believer, already been saved, been born again, you give all diligence. What we read this morning, Peter, 2 Peter, you give all diligence to striving, chasing after this goal. Because that's where your only peace, your only joy, your only happiness is going to be found. Everything else, you're just a hamster on the wheel. Chasing, 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 hoping to grab it. Didn't get it this time. I'll try again next time. And the wheel goes round and round and round. The Father won't let you have peace unless you find that peace in Him. That's what you were designed for. Father, we love you, God. We thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you've given us. Thank you for what you've shown us today. Thank you for your righteousness.